This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for Sunday, March 27, 2016. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. The message is by Father Ron Baird. It's a beautiful Easter morning, isn't it? Sun shining. Just a wonderful day. I doubt if it was that wonderful for jo- Joanna and Mary and Mary who went to the tomb that morning. They went to make sure that Jesus had gotten the burial that he deserved. But when they arrived at the tomb, they found that the stone was already rolled away, which undoubtedly caused them some concern. And as they go in, they find there's no one there. Now imagine that, if you will. You go to a loved one's graveside. And when you get there, the grave is dug up. That would be startling, wouldn't it? And it says that two men in dazzling white appeared to them and said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's risen. Now, they were perplexed at all this. I'm thinking, no kidding. I mean, that would be rather perplexing. And they go back to tell the other disciples that about it. But it says that the disciples thought they were telling an idle tale. Well, that sounds reasonable to Somebody came back and said, look, I went to the grave site and the grave was dug up, the vault was open, the casket was open, there wasn't anybody there. You'd be saying, what? <laughs> you know, how does that work? And so only Peter goes to check this out. We really don't know why he goes to check it out, but he does. And when he gets there, nobody's there. Seems like a common theme, doesn't it? And it says, all he sees are some uh, claws lying there and, and the, he goes away amazed. The word in Greek is in awe, in, in a sort of a pondering awe, if you will, not sure exactly what has happened here. You know, what, what could this mean? How could this change? Now, if you think about it, Jesus had been telling them for three years what was going to happen. You think that by then they would have gotten a clue. But they still don't get it because the whole idea of being raised from the dead doesn't mean the same thing to them that it means to us now. To them, being raised from the dead was like the resuscitation of a corpse, like a Lazarus when he was raised from the dead. And, and they could understand that. That, that you know, made some sense. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, and he did. But then he had all the claws around him and all still. But in this case, no one was there. To this day, if you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where, uh, which is a huge church, it covers the spot where Jesus was crucified, where they took him down and laid him on the slab, and then where they buried him. Um, and then the place where they buried him, they actually built a church over top of it, so there's a church inside of a church. Not that it's a very big church, because it only fits three people at a time. But uh, when you go in there, in Greek, it says, he is not here, he is risen. And that's the message that comes forth from the tomb. It's not until later that we begin to have the appearances. The disciples still don't get it. And so in the evening, you know, when they're gathered together in the upper room, Jesus will appear in the midst of them. And on the road to uh, Emmaus, Jesus will appear and, and talk to them and tell them everything about it. And, when, and then when he goes to Galilee, he will be on the side cooking breakfast for them when they come. But at this point, nobody's seen him. All they know is that he isn't there. And they wonder Could this be what he meant? And if it is, what does it mean? How does it work? 
In um, Turin, in Italy, there's a, a church, a basilica, that houses the Shroud of Turin. I don't know if you've heard of the Shroud of Turin or not. It purports to be the burial cloth of Christ, the linen that he was wrapped in. Nobody really knows whether that's true or not. I don't know that anybody ever will know if it's true or not. I don't know how, how do you, I mean, he didn't autograph it or anything before he left. But on it is the reversed image of a man who was crucified in exactly the same way that Jesus was. And apparently he had a crown of thorns on his head or something on his head because he has marks on his forehead where he bled. Um, the holes in his wrists are in the correct place. And in fact, he has only four fingers showing, no thumbs, which would be the way that that would work because if you drive a, a, a nail through the wrist, it pulls the thumb involuntarily inward. So you'd always be like that. Um, the, the nail and the ankle bones are in the correct place. And there's a wound on the side where Jesus was wounded. But it's an exact reverse negative. Now, for a long time, people thought that this was some sort of trick done in the Middle Ages where they painted it on. But they actually have done studies of the fibers, and there's no paint on it. Um, they have found blood. Apparently, if it is Jesus, he was type AB. We know that now. Um, but which would fit with the people of the, the Judean area. But beyond that, when you look at the image that's imprinted on the, the, the fibers themselves, if you um, zoom the microscope in really closely, all that you ever see is that the fibers are slightly yellowed, which comes from oxidation caused by heat and, great, and a great dryness. But it's the exact reversed image of, of, what, of this man lying there or sitting there. We're not sure. So what happened? What happened to Jesus when he was raised from the dead. Clearly it wasn't the same thing that happened to Lazarus. You see, this resurrection is a total new life. And it really answers the question. You know, we know the answer to the question, what, does God, what happens when God becomes man? And, well, he becomes Jesus. We know that. But this answers the question, what happens when this God-man dies? And he's raised from the dead. But not only is he raised, he is transformed transformed into the new creation, the new being that all of us are called to participate in. And apparently, some people believe that when he was transformed, it let off so much heat and light as, as it changed that it imprinted on, on the, the cloth itself this form so that people could see that. But this body is different than our bodies. You know, it's not a mortal body like ours where we um, are you know, might die or get sick or those things. This body's completely different, and we begin to see evidences of that right away. As soon as the appearances begin, the disciples are in, a, in an upper room with the doors locked because they're afraid. And suddenly, it says, Jesus appeared in the midst of them. Okay, he's a ghost, right? Like Casper. He just goes right through the doors, right? Except for the fact that he says, touch me. They can actually feel him, but he can still go through the wall. You know, when he, he goes to Galilee and he's cooking um, by the, the side of the Sea of Galilee and he calls the disciples in, he eats with them. He can actually ingest fish and, and bread. So this body is something different than anything we have ever known before. And that's significant because of Easter, everything has changed. Because when Jesus died and rose again, he didn't just take his divinity to heaven. He took his humanity also. All of him was risen, not just part of him. 
You know, he didn't suddenly split from being a person, a human being anymore. He was still that God-man. And what that means is that now that death is conquered for anyone who wants it, we're free. And that changes everything. Now, there are some evidences that it changes everything. For instance, 